Welcome to Wanja City. My name is Wanja City, and you are now on board a rebuilding tour through the memoirs of Nehemiah, a journey through Nehemiah in the Bible. Here we have more than audacity. We are in Wanja City. Come along then on this fifth episode of the tour. You'll be glad you did. By now, you will know if you've been following the rebuilding tour that I really enjoy watching reality shows on property development. If you don't know and haven't been following along with us through the memoirs of Nehemiah, you can catch up on the same right here on Wanja City. Yes, so I do like watching those hosts with their crews go in and demolish, redesign, restore, fix up or build a building, a kitchen, a house, a pool, a space from really bad or nothing in some cases to something amazing. Again, I'll mention I've watched quite a number of those shows from which I have picked up some knowledge and if nothing else, inspiration. On inspiration, I have gotten to see that impossible almost doesn't exist with these structural transformations. I've been inspired to want and desire better because it is possible. I've seen it. But beautiful as those homes end up being, it is the happiness of those homeowners and buyers when their houses or pools or whatever are revealed that makes it all worthwhile. Some shed tears of joy. Others are stunned to silence, which is remarkable, especially for really loud people. And others can't stop jumping, smiling, exclaiming or hugging others as a show of utter delight with a completed work. Inspiring. Inspiring. But even so much more than the magnificent house transformations or exposed delight or expressed delight that is, are those special shows where the hosts and crew do all that work just to give back and purely for the joy of giving. Those shows are truly inspiring. They bring a tear to the eye. It does something to you to see a struggling single mother be surprised with a renovated house and enough supplies for her family to see them through a rough patch. Or to see a family that has gone through some kind of devastation such as survivor storm, have their home fixed up or get a completely new one. To see that is to see hope restored to people's eyes and lives. Giving back is special. It's true what the word says in Proverbs about giving to the needy being like a loan to God. The poor cannot pay you back, but God can, and he pays his debts. Whether it's food or drink or a home, giving may be something some people can afford to do as merely charity, without as much as a dent in their accounts. But that same giving to the needy recipient is a lifeline. It's survival. It is hope. More than building restoration, it can be dignity restoring to the recipients. We left Nehemiah and his people very busy rebuilding, very organized, armed with weapons, building materials, strategy, and prayer, and faced by haters trying to oppose them, and a very able leadership of our very own Nehemiah. Very good. In this episode, we are in Nehemiah 5, where once again the rebuilding project encounters some challenges that land squarely at Nehemiah's door for problem solving. Will he rise to the challenge? Is there still doubt if his character is what he is? All of us who've known Nehemiah from the start should be rooting for him by now. As mentioned in the rebuilding episode, this kind of thing happens in a building reality show. Unexpected dents in the plan happen. And in the last episode, we, as we began to build, we met people whom we called haters or enemies of progress, literally, who are threatening to kill the people and stop the rebuilding of the wall. That's too much, even for hateful enemies. That was handled. And if you're curious, you can catch up on that episode right here tune in on Wanjacity and catch up but but what happens when those enemies of progress are from within internal enemies are the worst 
no loyalty, no shame, nonsense. <sighs> we begin this chapter 5 with some of the men and their wives protesting. Great. Now on top of all the rebuilding work and last episode's opposition from external forces, Nehemiah has to deal with protests. Yes, these people raised a great outcry against, not Nehemiah, thank God, but against some among them, some of their own people. They cried about food and having to mortgage their fields, vineyards, and homes to get grain during the famine. Oh, there's a famine also. Others were fed up of having to borrow money to pay the king's tax. This is the same king who was Nehemiah's boss, remember? On their fields, on their vineyards, from their own flesh and blood. Some had already even sold off their daughters. They were subjecting their sons and daughters to slavery by their own kin, like your own people. So these poor and needy members of the society lamented their powerlessness because their fields belonged to others. I mean, you can see the reasons for their protests. Who are these others who are causing such anguish to the protesters? You may have heard of them. You may even be guessing who these others are by now. We met some of them acting fishy at the fish gate in episode 2, if you will recall. That's right, they were nobles. Remember them? Now, here it's not clear whether it was just nobles and officials from one area or from the whole land, though it should really surprise very few that such nobles exist everywhere. Not only do they not want to submit to the task of rebuilding the wall as everyone else is, here we see them being accused of excessively charging interest to their kinsmen at a time when all of them were focused on nation building, literally building the wall and gate and the gates of the city for all of Jerusalem's safety. Nehemiah was incensed, very angry at the hearing of this needy one's outcry and those charges they had brought. He pondered the charges in his mind before accusing the nobles and officials. Do you note what he did first? He pondered them in his mind. He thought about it. He was understandably angry, which is good. It shows he cared for the plight of the poor. Then he took some time out to think and not just fly, charging at the accused in a rage with no thought and out of anger. Wisdom. After hearing the protesters and their charges and then thinking about it, he talked to the accused, those nobles and officials who are exacting excessive interest from the people. Nehemiah called a large meeting to deal with them a large meeting so they were many he pointed it out to them that it was wrong for them to basically be enslaving their brothers or their own people in debt after they had just been given freedom released from slavery abroad like you just come from abroad you've been released and then you come home and here you are enslaved again by your own people at least they were embarrassed enough to be quiet they could find nothing to say we are told Nehemiah did not relent, going on to demand this accused walk in the fear of God, avoid the reproach and shame they would be bringing from their enemies. He demanded that they, they stop. This excessive interest, this usury has to stop. And for them to give back to those they had indebted their fields, their vineyards, their oil groves, and their houses. Also, for the interest charged to a hundred part of the money, their grain, their new wine and oil. You have to understand that was like their currency for that day, but it was also literally food. And again, the accused were, you know, they redeemed themselves enough to promise to give it back and not just demand anything more from the people. We are told, and I think quotes it as, we will do as you say, they said. Hear, hear, hand claps for Nehemiah, a rousing speech, commendable job, impressive. Where can we find modern day Nehemiahs to speak up for the poor and shut down the shameless, excessive, oppressive interest charging of the rich that leaves the working poor already tired from their labor, stressed over the well-being of their families and property? 
Where are you modern day Nehemiahs? Perhaps it's up to you, dear listener, to be just that. Yes, perhaps it's up to us because this oppression has to stop. S-T-O-P, stop! Just in case these accused nobles and officials thought they could just give lap, uh, lip service and a bunch of empty promises, Nehemiah had one up on them. He summoned the priests and made the officials and nobles take an oath, as in swear, to do what they had promised. That's a promise on top of a promise, a God promise, like an oath, airtight. And you clearly don't know Nehemiah if you think their word is going to stop him. Next, he dramatically shook out the folds of his robe, think emptied his pocket, saying in the same way God would shake out of his house and possessions every man who did not keep the promise. Drama? Yes. Effective? Oh, yes. At that action, the whole assembly said, Amen, which means let it be, and they praised the Lord. So, do you know the people did as they promised? They did. Not... Not to keep the promise would have amounted to basically cursing themselves, wouldn't it? Plus, with all those witnesses, where were they to hide, really? This is impressive, but how was Nehemiah able to get all these people singing to his tune? How could he summon the priests? Why were the nobles and officials submitted to him? And how is it that the poor trusted him to champion their rights? We, le- we learn the answers to this from verse 14 of chapter 5, where we are. When we see Nehemiah who had been appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah. Uh-huh. So he was no simple cupbearer to the king, which in itself was not a simple position. He was now also the governor of his homeland. Nehemiah lets us know that although he was appointed as their governor from the 20th year to the 32nd year of the king, that king's reign, that is 12 years, that neither him nor his brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. Governors and people in such positions have a lot of allowances and perks that come with their positions. Yet some rulers don't deem them enough, never mind that they come at the expense of the poor laborers' sweat. Some rulers always want more. They demand so much more, and that's unfortunate. Actually, it's unjust. It's an abuse of power. Here, we see Nehemiah, excuse me, Governor Nehemiah, not even eating the food allotted to the governor. Why? Verse 14 to 15 tell, sorry, 15 to 16 tells, he tells us that he acted out of reverence for God and that he was devoted to the work of the wall. All his men were of similar mind. They were there for the work, not the parks. That, ladies and gen- gentlemen, is genuine servant leadership and not the kind shouted aimlessly by some politicians come election cycle just for the sake of it or for the sake of your votes. This kind of devoted servant leadership is demonstrated by example. Nehemiah was already wealthy, or at least not lacking. See, he had been working as the king's cupbearer after all, that good palace job if you remember it. So it's okay to assume that he was not poor, but he was not in politics to get fabulously wealthy either. Actually, this man was not a politician proper. He was an administrator, a strategist, a leader, a leader focused on the goal at hand. Build that wall and have a heart for the people. Stop enslaving your people. Verse 15 particularly notes that the earlier governors had placed a very heavy burden on the people. And even their assistants loaded it over the people. Don't you just know such people who you're the assistant to so and so, so you walk around pulling others. But back to the story, not Nehemiah and not his people. Remember him with favor, God, for all he did for his people. That was his prayer. And that at the close of chapter 5, And mine too, even for our leaders among us who do care and lead like Nehemiah. 
few though they be. Remember them with favor, Lord. And so, yes, the goal is still to rebuild, but not at the expense of the poorer members of society. Stop and help the poor, or pause and help, because the rebuilding must go on. And that's the fifth episode in this rebuilding tour. Let's care, even as we rebuild. I hope it's been an inspiring one. Like the shows that take time out to dignify the needy, even even in giving houses or renovating them to the less fortunate. Nehemiah chastised or rebuked the rich in response to the cries of the poor. It is possible to lead and care. Thank you for joining me, Manja City, here on Manja City, where we have more than audacity. Join us next episode for another rebuilding tour from Nehemiah. And remember, you like a city on a hill cannot be hidden. So go out, go shine, keep building, and care.